0: Welcome to The Conscious Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Alex Raymond. This is the only podcast that is 100% dedicated to the well-being of entrepreneurs. Now, I know that being an entrepreneur is a long journey and it can be really tough. So on this show, we won't be sharing generic hero stories or talking about mythical unicorns. Instead, we'll get straight to the heart of what matters most, giving you tools and resources to grow, thrive, and succeed as an entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with incredible founders, CEOs, coaches, and authors to help you be more resilient and inspired as you build the business of your dreams. This episode of The Conscious Entrepreneur is all about awakening. Awakening to your purpose, living in your zone of genius, and finding your tribe. My conversation today is with Kaylee O'Keefe, who is the founder and CEO of Soul Excellence Ventures and the host of the Future is Human podcast. She shares how to move from corporate to creative, how to tap into the energy of a movement, and how to shorten the time it takes to realize your dreams. We also talk about identity, overcoming imposter syndrome, and not wanting to be a small business owner. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Conscious Entrepreneur. Hey, Kaylee O'Keefe, welcome to The Conscious Entrepreneur. Great to see you.
1: Hi, Alex. It's so good to be here.
0: So you are someone that I met through the Conscious Entrepreneur journey, and you are the founder and CEO of this incredible company, which publishes books and does media all around elevating human consciousness, and that is called Soul Excellence Ventures. What does that name mean? Where did that come
1: from? (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right. How much time do we have? Yeah, like the... The name Soul Excellence, like it's near and dear to my heart now, but four years ago, like it was something that actually came to me in a meditation with a mentor of mine on the island of Maui, like this phrase of soul excellence. And yet it really dates back to the fifth grade. I had a fifth grade teacher, Mr. Tomich. And, you know, when I showed up to class the first day, he presented us with the excellence book which was something that we could sign for doing well on tests for helping others for playing well at resource, you know, recess. And I was like, all right, I have a goal, you know, it's to sign this excellence book as many times as possible. And so I've been running these two tracks in my life, like from that fifth grade moment of just being so attracted to this notion of personal excellence and striving to be the best. And it would Propel my whole journey from, you know, wanting to be senior and being senior class president to going to Duke to working in management consulting, you know, getting my MBA, like there was that track of my life. And then underneath it, you know, the thing that no one was seeing at the time was this deep inner journey of the soul, tracking back again to childhood of being, you know, it was manifesting as being quite, you know, religious and into faith and spirituality, progressing into my twenties of the deep, dark moments that led me to therapy and 12-step programs and always really caring about this kind of deeper expression of who am I really, especially when I'm not just striving. And so this term soul excellence, it's like it came to me, but it's always been me. And it's now really this lighthouse for people who are also on this similar journey where they've been super high achievers. And yet there's a piece of them that they haven't really allowed to infuse everything that they do. And that's sort of the space that my company creates for them in books and conferences, et cetera. So I love it. It's like, I'm growing more love with this term, you know, and actually it's starting to click on a whole different level right now. I'm like, Oh, like this, this is it. So I love it.
0: Now you've been on quite a journey yourself. And as you mentioned, you, we a striver, yeah. are a striver, yeah. went, went to great schools, <laughs> went to get your MBA, dove into the tech scene, did a whole bunch of stuff with various tech companies. And then, you know, really, from what I understand, made a major shift in February yeah. of 2020 to leave a lot of stuff behind. It sounds like there was major transitions in, mm-hmm. in uh, mm-hmm. lots of areas of your life, uh, including physically where you were located and, you know, just major change. Tell us about that process, kind of what led up to it, what it was like to make a decision to totally change and revamp your life and what was born as a result.
1: Hmm. So I mentioned this term soul excellence, like hitting me in a meditation on Maui, you know, a few years ago now. And so it was the seed that was planted, but it wasn't until I had this moment, this this sort of feeling in the tech space that, like, you know, I kept achieving, I kept achieving, you know, I was closing these big deals. We were raising our Series A with Sequoia at the time with the company I was working for. And it's like nothing was, nothing was filling me, right? Like I wasn't getting the same energy and excitement from these achievements. And I was like, what is this thing, soul excellence? And January of 2020, you know, it's rainy and cold in San Francisco. I just start writing and reflecting. And I just suddenly felt like I, it's kind of hard to explain. I'm like, I have to pursue whatever this is. And I don't know what it is. It's like, I didn't have the idea for a company. I didn't know what soul excellence was. I just knew like it was worth my time and attention. And so as you alluded to, it was like, okay, (laughs) okay. I'm gonna just rip the band-Aid off, you know, and and go all out, or, as the kids say now, full send on Soul Excellence. And I moved from San Francisco to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I left tech, and the first things that I started doing were coming back into my own expression. And that looked like starting a podcast, you know, <laughs> that I recorded in closets, in bathrooms, like wherever it was quiet. And then I had the opportunity, I was invited by a friend to write a chapter in a book called Awakening, Meet the Woman Birthing a New Earth. And that really was the game changer for me because it gave me the space to reflect on the journey up into this point and to clarify like what it is I was feeling about needing to come back closer to heart, closer to home, closer to the side of myself that I I wouldn't say I abandoned, but like. It just wanted to be expressed more. So I wrote this chapter in the book. And then over the course of that summer, I started feeling like, you know, then the pan, you know, so the pandemic's happening at that time, people are feeling lonely. There's a sense of disconnection. And I happen to be um, by the beach in Maine doing my morning pages, which is one of the the tools and techniques that has certainly helped me on this journey. I sort of credit it for building the whole company. I'm sure you're familiar with it. But for those who are not, this is part of Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. And whether or not you consider yourself an artist, and I would say if you're an entrepreneur, you're absolutely an artist. Um, These morning pages, this time of reflection and sort of putting out what you want into the world is so important. And so like I'm writing my morning pages and this idea called leading through the pandemic, unconventional wisdom from heartfelt leaders just came to me. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is a, this is a book (laughs) title. Like this is something that I know people want to talk about right now because they feel alone. They're having to manage remote teams. They're spending more time with their family. They're not traveling. Like their whole world was just upended And they're also being asked to lead people when they, they don't, they don't really know what to do. Like it is sort of an unprecedented moment in their career. And that was the origin of like, what's now the company soul excellence was me putting out this invitation, inviting leaders to come guiding them through the process of writing a chapter, publishing this book, Everyone sharing it on, you know, YouTube and podcast. And it was so powerful that I just saw these people that hadn't really had a safe space to share, like share grief, to share pain, to share healing, you know, they've had to wear the mask of, I have it all together. I know all of the answers. And by giving people that space, you could see the community that was built among these leaders. And, you know, what it's led to the last three years is now 17 books with 450 people on I think 16 countries and four continents, like plus the Caribbean who have come together all, all in the spirit of what I'm now really kind of attributing to soulful excellence and soulful leadership and where we're headed. And, um, I'm happy to talk more of like the moment that I find myself in now, because I've, I mean, I've made all of the mistakes in the book from the last three years when it comes to like building a company and, and all of that. And I've had a a much bigger aha about. Kind of where this is all leading to. But for me, it's just been a huge shift, especially to go from working for others to now it's not even working for myself. It's like working on behalf of this much bigger mission. And I think that's the shift too. And if you start to think of it as like working for yourself or being a solopreneur, like that's a very different mindset than working on behalf of a mission, of a calling, of a vocation. Two different energies, two different ways to make decisions. Um and, and as I told you, like, I'm coming to you from San Francisco. I've been at TechCrunch this week and so much has shifted in the last three days about like, where does Soul excellence ventures want to go next? It's like, less like, what do I want to do? It's like, where does it want to go next? And I'm kind of following it, um, which is part of being a conscious entrepreneur, I would say.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. There, there are times when, you know, in the entrepreneurial journey, you realize that there's stuff happening that you just can't not do it right it's like okay (laughs) uh, i see the universe is putting this out there for me i see that i am the vessel for this i am the vehicle for this and it's going to happen and we don't always know what it is that how it's going to turn out we don't know
1: yeah like i didn't i didn't expect to build a publishing company you know i didn't know how to do any of this right to to lead multi-author books and yet if i look at my background i've always been leading facilitating guiding but the actual publishing and then people wanting to do their own solo books and then companies wanting to do books like Utah black chamber, 21st cent ed to bring their people together. Like it, it, like it really felt like it was just happening through me. And then I'm like, okay, like I can figure this out as we go and create these spaces and allow it to get bigger. And now it's just yearning for like a kind of atmospheric shift, I want to say. And it's a little scary actually. And it's like equal parts scary and exciting and that's how I can kind of feel that it's it's the right direction for me to go next with with this whole mission.
0: So 17 books, 450 collaborators, uh, yeah. which is a tremendous achievement in 3 years to to put that volume of stuff together. It sounds like you did not know anything about the publishing world beforehand. So you have found yourself just like, I'm sure, just smacking into all sorts of walls as all (laughs) entrepreneurs do. And uh, curious about, you know, tell me about how you are dealing with that change in your life. So you're needing to become an expert in certain field. You're needing to rally people behind your vision and ideas. I'm sure you've got all sorts of voices inside your head uh, and historical patterns running and fears that are coming up as you're doing this you managed to power through it all like tell us what came up and how did you get through that
1: (laughs) um, so I'll share like the things that really helped and then what I am now realizing that I somewhat failed to to see but now I can see with some hindsight and so you know, one of the best things I did early on was work with the woman who I had published with to understand the publishing model. And like we worked in real time, where it wasn't like, teach me a course. It was like, here's the book idea, here's how I can recruit. And so finding people that have created what you want, that kind of know the basics was, you know, that was the most powerful investment that I made um was actually learning more about this business model because ever, especially the helping people to write and to express and to create I'm like i had that that skill set but the mechanics of publishing i didn't so that was really helpful along the way i think what really happened is i was super excited about this big mission of amplifying the wisdom of conscious courageous leaders but any time that I sort of kept it as like I'm building a publishing company or I'm building a media company or I'm creating like digital assets or courses like Alex, like my energy dropped. I just was like, Ugh, like this part, this doesn't sound that fun. And so I kept sort of like finding myself in, in spaces or signing up for programs or putting myself in masterminds that looking back, I think were really designed to help me. Like, be a small business owner. And I wasn't really understanding like why this felt so uncomfortable to me, and, and it wasn't because it felt challenging. It just was like, I think I had to honestly, I had to come to terms with the fact, and it's only been over the last month that like I'm not here to run a small business. I'm here to represent this massive movement, and I'm also here to use technology to create that movement. And, you know, to be potentially a billionaire empath leader that is showing the way for those that are empaths in leadership positions for how they can impact the world and essentially create new systems and structures and institutions. So the last three years, whenever I ran into a challenge, I'm looking back now and saying it's because like I. (laughs) I. I really wasn't selling the vision because I didn't, it's like the publishing company was a little bit too small for me to get excited about is, is what I'm trying to say. And now as I shift into this new vision, which took me sort of in June saying, you know what? I don't like the direction that this company has successful that it's been. I don't like the direction that it's headed in. I paused this summer. I went off the grid and taught at a girl's sleepaway camp for two months. I taught yoga. I taught paddleboard. I taught soccer. Like I just went in nature and around people and i've come back with this totally different perspective of okay how do i help how do i help shorten the time it takes for people to realize their dreams number one by helping them visualize them more concretely and then number two creating the like mental habits and reinforcement structure and collaborations to do it in a shorter period of time and that's sort of the genesis for this whole new vision of like what exactly is soul excellence and how do we if you think of right now, tech and social media, like incentivizing a certain type of behavior, what is a world that exists where we're incentivizing for lack of a better term, intimacy, healing, connection, growth, awareness, calmness, peacefulness, like creating things that support that. So I think to sum it up, like a lot of my journey the last three years was one of me needing to come There was a lot of self-doubt and like not trusting myself and then putting myself in places where I, it took me a while because I have such this like empathic nature to realize like, this is not the space for me to be in, in order to realize where I'm headed. And that's why this week especially has felt like so resonant for where I'm at and where soul excellence is moving in the future.
0: It sounds to me like you are living that experience of you know, sometimes people say 10x is easier than 2x, uh, and <laughs>
1: yes, you know. So
0: it sounds like you're really shifting your 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 beliefs. So you're shifting your mindset. You're shifting your beliefs, which is then bringing in other opportunities for you and unlocking new ideas and new potentials.
1: Um. I love the way that you said that, because that's exactly like, this is the the moment in time that I find myself where it's like to grow soul excellence. And there's a really easy path where we're launching more books, we're offering way more value to our clients to help them build their thought leadership brand, to turn their ideas into speaking gigs, to host conferences. Like that's a whole path. And I would say that's sort of like a linear, like to, like you kind of just like add more and once I started saying like, no, think way bigger. And yeah, what is this 10 X vision and specifically around this idea of, of people being able to visualize their dreams, connect to them and actually act on them in a much shorter period of time. Like the conversations that I've had this week, the people that I've met, the way that things have shown up in in the shortest period of time has just been like a, Oh yeah, this is how it works. And You know, I know you're hosting a conference uh, coming up with Gay Hendricks of The Big Leap. And I do think there was an aspect over the last few years where I wasn't able to really reset my own thermostat to be like, oh, it can be fun. It can be easy. You can keep yourself in the equation. Like your needs matter, like all of these things. And uh, it's like I needed to live that really to now experience this moment, which is this 10x vision feels, especially for for someone like me, it, it, it feels more fun, it feels easier, it feels like this like legacy creating project, like life project, not uh you know, I'm building a company for a couple years, or I'm writing some books, or I'm meeting some cool people, or I'm becoming a speaker. Like those things are all happening, but it's really gonna be in service to this massive vision. Um, yeah, I, I love mean, the way you put that.
0: Like, like Gay Hendricks would say, this is you in your zone of genius, right? And so that's that this is where you're sitting or at least you're spending more time there
1: and and if I look back over the last three years my zone of genius was always coming up with these titles like the diversity and humanity or the x factor the spiritual secrets behind successful leaders like this sort of like speaking new things into the future aligning people toward that vision and launching but I also spent so much time in my I don't know if it's zone of excellence it might have been zone of competence of like Running the company, you know, like setting up the Asana project boards, like all of that stuff, which is just like, uh, you know, (laughs) not that exciting. And you're like, no, you have to do it all and be it all. Like, no, you really don't. Um, Which is hard, I think, for those of us who can do many things to just really let some of that go. And have enough kind of self-belief trust that like you're going to call in others who can support you in their zone of genius too. And sometimes it's hard for me to understand that people do love operations. People do love financial planning. People do love, you know, I'm like, really (laughs) I have to constantly be reminded that people love that and they're really good at it. Like, let's be friends.
0: Yeah. That's the thing about zone of genius. Everyone's got something different. Therefore you can Thank always God. find yeah. someone to do something that you're not so good at and, and they can, and they can help you out. Um, I want to come back to some of the, some of the specifics here. So, yeah. so you're making the, you're making this shift and you've been working in, uh, sort of client facing and customer success roles in the, in the tech world, you essentially become, you know, CEO of, of, uh, of the business you're yeah. doing everything along the yeah. way you're 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 doing everything from uh, uh, the daily logistics to coming up with cool titles to recruiting people to building the website to doing the podcast by the way, we should say that uh, you are a podcast host of the future is human podcast
1: Ooh, yeah uh,
0: so you're doing that so hmm. you're doing like a million things um what you know what mistakes were you making like what what was happening? Hmm. That, you know, now looking back three years later, you can Mm. say, hey, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have done X, Y, Z.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah, there's, there's a few. So I think first and foremost, which I kind of alluded to was there was a little bit of not respecting my own journey and the fact that I do love to play with the highest performers, with the most integrity. And what I mean by that is I I was sort of creating this business and again, like signing up for programs or working with people that I, like I would never hire them if I were like working for someone else's, I basically like, I completely dropped the bar on my standards thinking that when I went into the online entrepreneurship world, That I didn't know anything, you know, and I needed to spend all of this time learning because I didn't have this background. And I'm looking at all these people that I admire, like Kathy Heller, you see Amy Porterfield and these businesses being built around like the personality and vision of one creator. And so I it's almost like I sabotage myself, sabotage myself from the get go being like, oh, you're new here and you don't know how to do these things. And with that mentality, like I just put myself in rooms looking back that were not pushing me to be the best, whether on the soul front or the excellence front. And I love those environments. You know, that's why, of course, like with this new idea, I'm applying to Y Combinator because like, I want that pressure. I want that expertise. Like I want that level of collaborator, uh, which I found through my authors, like my authors have all been incredible. But if I just think of like, where I personally was spending time, it was because I, yeah, I made this mistake of thinking like I, I didn't know what I was doing when in fact, like I, I knew <laughs> I really had a clear idea at the beginning and, you know, went wayward in a few places. Um, which leads me to kind of to the second thing is without this super clear vision, I, I really wasn't committed to building a business. I was committed to being a creator, but what that meant is like, I didn't like, I didn't hire a team member. I, you know, was working with tons of contractors. And I think that also reflected of me not recognizing I've always played up, you know, on team sports. I love having a team and I need someone who's like all in with me too. And I just like waited a really long time to like even believe that I could attract someone to the vision or to the model or this is what I wanted to do. So that was another mistake of like just to, like going it alone and and having, you know, advisors and like people who were helping me with stuff, but not, you know, not to the level that's required to really push an idea or a movement forward. Um, and then the last thing, like the last really big mistake was just from a real like strict business perspective was completely undercharging and over delivering for the services that soul excellence was providing so like i i didn't realize like how impactful these books would be for people also how much you know it would take to to make them at the level that i desired so if you think of like a one off price point of $2000 to be a part of this experience but we're actually working together for 6 months to create this book and there's the teaching aspect, the actual like publication aspect, the launching aspect, like all of these things that like the business model was wrong for the value that this was for leaders who now tell me like Kaylee, I got this speaking gig because I was able to say I'm a bestselling author. I got this promotion because I had distilled my thoughts on DEI in the diversity and humanity to a point where I could communicate more effectively. So just from a business perspective, it's like I would completely change the model of like how we charge and how I deliver the service and not have it be, of course, this like one time fee for tons of work (laughs) that we would be doing together and the impact that it would have in everyone's lives and the world at large as we talk about these new topics.
0: Well, certainly the last one is very common for, for entrepreneurs, (laughs) uh, is undercharging, especially first time entrepreneurs, right? And yeah. I, I don't understand the value I'm providing yet. Therefore, you know, I, I do it based on scarcity thinking, fear thinking, imposter mm-hmm. syndrome, which is all stuff you've mentioned yeah. uh, without using those words. right? Mm-hmm. But like, I'm, I'm, and therefore I'm using that to, <laughs> I'm using that to price myself in the market. And yeah. so lo and behold, I then turn around in six or 12 months and realize how much I've been underselling myself. Right. Which is yeah. what it comes down to at the end of the day. Uh, I also heard you say in the past that one of the mistakes that you made was sharing your dreams with the wrong people.
1: Mm -hmm. What did that mean? Oof. (laughs) I feel like I'm still making this mistake where like I get so excited about something, you know, and I want to like, I want to instantly call my dad and tell him about it. Like I, I did that this week, you know, I'm like here, I'm like super excited. I call him and I'm instantly met with the practical like questions of like, but how is this going to work? Like, you're going to build a tech platform. Like, I don't get it. And I'm like, you did it again, Kaylee. Like, just call him and tell him how much you love the weather here. You know, like, this is not the right person as much as we love each other to share this idea with. And so it's really easy when you're starting something, especially when you're speaking to things that the world can't see yet. And I think that's something I've had to appreciate too, is that like, I'm not a good person when it comes to timing, like timing of things. Like I'm really good when it comes to like ideas. And so I can see all these things about where we can go as a society and where we're trying to head and how we all want to feel more creative and connected. Um, But when I share that with people essentially from my past life who are really locked into like, no, I'm following this linear path. If I do this, I will expect this reward. I will meet society's expectations. When I share what I'm imagining and the world I'm creating, it's very scary to them or uncomfortable or something. It's almost like when you tell someone like I'm sober, you know, and they think that you're saying you're like making a judgment about their drinking habits. And you're like, that's that's not what this is, you know, just like sharing what's true for you. So anytime that I've shared this idea often with people from my past of what I'm building, you know, it throws cold water on it. And I'm human, right? So I'm not immune to feeling like, oh, like I don't belong anymore. And so I think, you know, I heard something good the other day that's like, if you're connecting with people and the only things that you're talking about are about things from the past, college experiences that you had together, what happened at your first company, um, That just might not be the right set of people for these big visions and future ideas. And so it's super important to find the people that you can share things with who either have been there before, or they're just on the same path, or they're in this more conscious state where they don't feel like they actually need to react one way or the other. Like they can just be a vessel for listening and finding those people in your life is super, super important. But I will say, Alex, I think the reason why I kept making that mistake up until like Wednesday when I just did it and speaking with my dad is because I still was not yet believing in the person that I really am and who I continue to become. And so like today I had two conversations this morning with massive CEOs that just felt supernatural, super easy, like they ask me the right questions to push my idea forward. And you're like, oh, yes, like this is the space to share. It's it's not with all of these other people. And um, I just think we make this mistake in a lot of ways, like not just in business, like in a lot of things that we do in life.
0: When I hear you talk about that, the word tribe is coming up for me and the idea of of surrounding yourself with the right people. And they say, you know, you are the combination of mm-hmm. five people you spend the most time with and so on. <clears throat> The, the the idea being, do we have the right internal and external support systems to to get our, our vision going? And when you become an entrepreneur like you did in a very sudden fashion in yeah. 2020, <laughs> uh, people have to recalibrate how they think of Kaylee. Yeah. And for people who are doing other types of things, being an entrepreneur is a totally different way of thinking and being. And there's there's risk perception and. Um, there's also sometimes jealousy because people think, oh, I wish I could go do that, but I can't. And they have all the reasons. Oh that my gosh. It. Yeah. So all that, all that comes up. And and so, you know, what you're doing is one of the problems that mm-hmm. I know that you're solving through soul excellence ventures. It's one of the things that we solve also at the conscious entrepreneur summit, which is creating a place where we can all come together. And that's the tribe. And so you can say, oh, I'm with my peers. I'm with people who are having the similar experiences or having the same challenges and opportunities and get excited about the same stuff Mm -hmm. and so on so that's really what I hear you talking about there
1: you know it's it's making me think of um like when you talk about tribe and peer set and and even like what was I writing down here this um like for me when I think of like who is an entrepreneur like, it's it's not just an entrepreneur in the business sense. Like, I think it's anyone who really desires to live like a super creative, authentic life. And when I use the word conscious, I always combine it with like curious, courageous, creative. To me, all of these things are aligned. And so finding people that just like they take this sort of like experimental, curious approach to life is super important. And, you know, I think in building this company, one of the mistakes I made too was not appreciating that, like how much I love be like talking to the the visionaries. And so I would have brought in someone more in that, like supporter, cheerleader, encourager role to work more directly with my authors, because I like that. I would put that in my like zone of excellence, like talking with a leader turning author, helping them distill their story, you know, building a course around that. But but also since we're not really both like building companies and that's like, there was still an aspect that was draining. So I would have hired someone to like play that role. So I could stay more in like company vision building space with like those types of peers. And yeah, I mean, the number of times that I've heard, like, it must be nice. Um, It must be nice. And you're so privileged on this journey is shocking. And it's like, no one knows, of course, the behind the scenes, the sacrifices, like the real, you know, all of this stuff. Um, And so, yeah, if anyone's telling you like, oh, it must be nice. uh, That's probably not someone that you want to keep in your tribe moving forward. Um, Because that energy, like it, yeah, it still like stings a little when you hear it. You're like, you know, there's the non-conscious part of you that wants to instantly react, you know, and lay out everything and be like, (laughs) you know, Okay. And then I'm like, actually, it is really nice. It's nice that I'm in this state where, you know, whether things are success, you know, succeeding or failing, I'm able to come to this place where I'm making choices and I feel aware of them and I'm observing what's going on and I'm bringing my feelings into the equation and the things that I'm noticing into the equation. Because, you know, for those of us that have, you know, achieved excellence or pursued excellence, a lot of our we're often looking outside of ourselves and we're often not taking our feelings into account. And, you know, for me, that's been a huge, like a huge piece of the last three years was just noticing like how, how suppressed so many feelings were even after tons of like work and experiences with that, like this entrepreneurial journey really unlocked those feelings. And I feel like they're, I feel like they're going to be this, they're already this massive source of energy moving forward with what I'm creating. Like now that like I'm allowing them and using them and noticing them and kind of like playing with them actually. And they're like a partner with me on this journey uh, in a way that I've never thought of before.
0: You really don't know yourself until you become an entrepreneur.
1: I I feel that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I didn't, you know, gosh, there's just not the this when I like the safety nets around you that sort of keep you from really knowing yourself, um, and I'm sure parenthood does this to you in in a whole different way. Like there are experiences that can, of course, trial you in this way, but um, just for a lot of my peers who've kind of been on this background, you know, followed that linear path. Uh, I don't think we appreciate how much is kind of solved for around us. Um, and it is nice to know, like, for example, it is nice to know, like I can create something from nothing. Like it was amazing when I sent out my first payment link and, and, you know, the first payment I received was $997 to participate in the first book. And I just, you know, so it was like the first blip on the Stripe dashboard. And, And then I did get obsessed where I was like every day, like, okay, like, I was motivated to send out more invitations. I was seeing what was working, like what was resonating, how I could kind of have a really incredible onboarding experience for people who said yes early on before like they, you know, I knew what I was doing with the book. So like that moment was pretty exciting. And like, it started to shift a little thing in my brain to say like, you you have this in you. Cause I thought, I thought entrepreneurship was just like, you're born with it or you're not. And then working with Aaron, CEO of Snapdocs, like that's where I realized like it was it was a mindset. It was a way of being like it was actually a conscious choice is what I took away from it of how to operate in the world. Um, like it wasn't just I didn't think it's just something like you're born with or not, because I would have said like I definitely wasn't born with it. Like I was born with the like skill to follow the rules and just be the best within those rules. And now I've proved to myself like that's not true at all. like you
0: can do so much more than that. Yeah. There are there are I know a lot of people who would love to follow in your footsteps. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people sitting there in corporate jobs who wish that they could go out there and be more creative and they yeah. wish they could take risks. And I know that you've you know part of the recent education you've been doing is to help people understand what does it mean to take that leap? What does it mean to move either full-time or part-time from yeah. from corporate into into creative. What are the sort of tips? What's the roadmap that you're offering there as people are thinking about do I take this leap or or not?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that question because yeah, as you've seen, like I have been thinking a lot about this. And similar to that entrepreneur question, it's like, no, are some people just born with it, you know, born with a higher risk tolerance, born with more self-belief. Um and I think the answer is no. You know, I, I really am believing into this, like we have to just dream much bigger for ourselves and so i'll kind of first lay out well i think the spoiler alert is that like consciousness is at the middle of this shift and this beingness um but on a practical level like i've been working on this framework that i wrote down here which is like what what actually is the shift that we're talking about and i believe it's that like from corporate is like a linear path to creative, which I believe is like spiraling up where we're co- like, we're learning lessons all the time. <laughs> and ideally we're transmuting them to get to the next level of who we really are. Then it's the shift from like, what's my motivation and incorporate the motivation is like, it is external. It's societal expectation. It is title. It is money. It is promotion. It is company brand name. And the main motivation in this new world is I I talk about as soul excellence is like, am I making my soul proud? Am I making my heart beat fat? Like what is it that I'm doing for like my creative force in life? And then this, this big idea around, um, Ooh, okay. From corporate, I think a lot of it is about identity and we sort of attach ourselves super tightly to identity and whether that is like our title but we we sort of view ourselves a certain way and it's really wrapped up in um again what people from the outside think you know when you were mentioning like how people sort of thought of me like oh she's an advisor or she's you know customer success whereas in this new world the creative world it is all about essence and energy mm-hmm. and starting to really trust and understand like i mean the multitude of things that can be expressed that can be true and we the more, the more, the, I feel like we're the ones that put ourselves in the most boxes, actually. Like it's not really society. Like we do it to ourselves. And the more you can see that and say, wait, I don't have to live in this box and compartmentalize all the time, that's when you can start bringing your energy forth into many, many different things. So that's kind of like, uh, I'm, I have this whole framework. Actually, I should share with you after this call um, about what this shift is. Now, in terms of how to do it, You know, I, I feel like the thing that I've seen work really well, even within my own community, because we now have a few people that I've worked with that were in corporate and now they are in this kind of creator economy, thought leadership economy. And it's been a series of steps to like build up this self-belief and also to start to see how deeply their message resonates. And so what it's looked like is taking the time to write, to reflect, to publish, to start sharing. And the biggest mistake that I see people make is to jump from corporate and just do the same thing that they were doing in corporate, but now as an independent contractor or consultant. And that's like a mistake I started to make in the beginning of like, oh, I guess I'll just teach customer success director. And it, to me, now look at, like that doesn't make sense. Like, then why would you leave like a brand of resources to just do the same thing, build up a business when you probably don't have that skill set yet? So I think I'm most suited to really talk to those people who have a story, a mission, like an experience that really transformed them from the inside out that they want to be speaking to. So like James Jackson, for example, founder of the Utah Black Chamber, like his journey is a good example of, you know, he writes a chapter in a book leading through the pandemic, decides to bring his community together for the book called "Black Utah," to share all of their stories. Each one of these steps started to build his own confidence in the work that he was doing and the mission that he had. Then he wrote, and we just published his solo book called Living With Purpose. And this has been the journey to like, now he's like, okay, he's built, like, I want to say he's built this audience. Like he's built this whole world now that's sort of coming to him for advice on living with purpose, on founding something like a black chamber of commerce where they are. And so it's been a journey for him, but now he can make the the leap and now it feels actually like not so much of a leap to speaking full time, sharing his coursework, being a professor at his school. I mean, all these things that were not like in the plan when he was working at Zion's bank in supplier diversity, for example. Um, so for me, it's all coming back to expression and finding your voice. Like and your soul's voice. And that's the thing that starts to unlock your own belief that you can make this leap. And I think knowing your intention for me, my intention was to, to create, to be a creator. And, you know, now I'm kind of coming back into more of this, um, deeper understanding that it's, it's a little bit of that, but it's actually to hold space for this much bigger company and vision that I have. Um, so a really long answer to say, come back to your soul, come back to your voice, write a lot, and um and again surround yourself with a tribe who actually wants to move in that direction because the golden handcuffs and the um pressure to stay where you are is it's real and it's so strong. So if I was gonna say, you know, I work with so many people who are, you know, so many of my authors who it really wasn't until they got a cancer scare in their late 50s or early 60s that they decided to change anything about their corporate tra- trajectory like this is like a common story with the leaders that i'm working with and i'm like how do we prevent that you know like how do we not allow the cancer to grow like how do we make those changes earlier on um so especially if you're younger listening to this like however you know or what like let those be lessons from you know wisdom from others like you we're just so much more than we think. And when it comes back to your, your essence and energy, like you can do a lot more than what you believe.
0: Don't wait until it's too late. Uh, is, is the, is the message is the message there. I like that you just mentioned energy because I want to talk about energy right now. Um, you know, we all know how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and how much you therefore you need to, kind of build up your own energy so we spend a lot of time at least within the conscious entrepreneur community we spend a lot of time thinking about health and wellness and uh and fitness and nutrition and sleep and 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 that sort of thing and also um not distracting ourselves with bad habits or things that are bad for us yeah and uh i, I want to make sure that i've got the facts on this right but as far as i understand you went through a pretty conscious change with your relationship with alcohol when you were in your twenties. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I, what I'd like to learn is, you know, as a result of that shift, what did that unlock for you? How did your life change <laughs> as a result of that? Cause I can imagine, I'm just yeah. making up a story here, but I can imagine that without energy going toward drinking and partying and so on, and, and then everything that happens afterwards, mm-hmm. that you know, you do unlock a lot more potential in your life and would love to, to share what, what I would love to hear what you're comfortable sharing on that. topic.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, if I look at like the first half of my 20s, it was this dual life happening. You know, I was working in Washington, D.C., corporate consulting, you know, always seeking the next promotion. And then, you know, on the weekends, like or during the week, even after kickball, just like drinking to the point of blackout on a very, very regular basis. And I was like, I was going to therapy at the time for something kind of what I thought unrelated, you know? (laughs) And then one day the therapist sort of said to me, she's like, Hmm, like she was noticing how I would come in and talk about how like, Oh, I only had like five drinks this week. Like I would be really proud of things like that. And so I'm grateful for her for like, even just saying like, Hey, maybe you want to like go check out a meeting. And so I was I don't know if I, I think I was 24 at the time because yeah, when I was 25 it was like the first year of sobriety. So I was 24. I go to this meeting in DuPont circle. I look around the room and like, I'm shocked to see so many young women, my age, like in business suits, looking super professional. And it was the first time that I heard people sharing real stuff, like real feelings, real emotions, what was really going on in their lives. And I was just like, like, this is what I want to be talking about. And I was noticing for the first time that, you know, I was completely numbing out from the fact that I wasn't comfortable in all these social situations, which were very surface level. And also I really wasn't accepting kind of the part of myself that like was attracted to women. You know, like I was definitely snuffing that out. Like this isn't a thing. So all of this stuff culminated in like that aha moment at that very first meeting of like, Oh, I just, I like these conversations, you know, like I did not expect that when I walked into like that first AA room when I was 24 and, you know, over the course of, especially like, you know, I was completely sober for, for five years. And so like 25 to 30. And I look at that period of time as it's like the veil lifted, the, um, the emotion started to come up like that had been you know, completely suppressed, my own desires and needs started to form. And my sense of self trust, like went through the roof, like, and in that period of time is when I decided to apply for a promotion that brought me to San Francisco, which would change the trajectory of my life. That wasn't part of the plan. I did a Camino de Santiago pilgrimage where I got to really experience solitude and gratitude and communion with other like pilgrims on this, you know, trail um, and pilgrimage in Spain, it's when I finally was like, maybe I should like change that Tinder profile and go on a date with a woman, you know, and that changed the whole trajectory of my life too. And so it, it like allowed my deeper feeling self to finally show up. And like occupy my body in a way where before I was a little bit of a, a sh- like I had I had a personality right and it was very much like a people pleasing overachiever personality, but I didn't have like my full soul with me on the journey, and like that period of time like exponential growth and like I feel that happening again where it's like once you strip that away and come back to who you are and allow the emotions to come up like you allow yourself to to like be with these like desires and thoughts that before maybe felt uncomfortable to have and I mean that was definitely true for me um yeah and like I'm so proud of that younger Kaylee you know (laughs) for going to that meeting uh, for going back after, like I drank again, you know, for like the continuing to show up and again change up my tribe, you know, I completely changed my tribe that year, and like elevated it to a whole different level. People I never would have like thought to be friends with, but we were really looking for a connection and real conversation and real stuff, and and that's what I found there.
0: What a tremendous story! Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Yeah, Kaylee, as we as we. Uh get toward the tail end of the episode here, I've got a few questions that I would love uh, to get your input on. And yeah. the first is we've used the word a lot today. Uh, and I'd like to know your definition of a conscious entrepreneur. Do you yeah. have one handy?
1: Yeah. I will I know I've shared a lot. So I'll be this thing. So for me, I look at the two words kind of separately then we can bring them together. So conscious is the state of being the observer and the state of ultimate choice in our life and so consciousness of really viewing our our body mind and soul as the vessel for a much more creative force than our own to flow through an entrepreneur i don't think is just someone who's running a business or building a platform i believe it's all of us who seek to live a life of true creativity, using our authentic urge and feel this sense of kind of wanting sovereignty as in, it's like, it's a little bit different than freedom, but it's, it's, it's kind of on our terms. It's, it's, it's again, like to me, this is all about choice. Conscious entrepreneurship is being in the state of choice and creating really beautiful things, whether that's movements, whether that's families, whether that's new works, It's really an act of creativity from my perspective.
0: Awesome. And tell us about your practices. So what do you do on a a regular basis uh, to keep yourself, you know, regulated (laughs) and motivated and inspired and excited?
1: Uh, Yeah. So like, I mean, this week, for example, I'm in, you know, in San Francisco. So I've really just continued the practices that I do here, which is waking up early I love to sit in the darkness with a little bit of light, do my gratitude list and my morning pages. Those are essential for me. I then love walking for one to two hours here. I've shortened it to one hour since I'm here for this conference, but I used to wake up and just go straight to the gym and sort of like get this adrenaline hit. And I've really noticed how much more calm and creative I feel when I start the day with this slower, like walking meditation saving my workout for later in the morning usually like 11 or 12 uh, is when I like like okay I kind of want to like feel sweaty or like lift weights or do something more like that um and then the biggest practice that I've added is 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 stillness so I'm a very high energy person like I'm always on the move like I if I could walk 20 miles a day like I would you know and have before and so the idea of balancing movement with stillness to allow feelings to come through and intuition to come through has been a game changer. And that can look like, that can look like listening to a meditation on insight timer. It can look like just sitting, but often what I do is like, I'll just lay on the floor for 15 minutes. Um, and then of course, like I'm a huge yogi. I actually, you know, I taught yoga all summer to eight to 15 year old girls, which was super, super fun. Um, but the stillness piece is something that, like I needed a mentor of mine to really point that out of like, Kayla, you just might be moving a lot and let's know, let's just see if it's something that you're doing to avoid, you know, another sort of coping mechanism. So I know if you're listening to this and like you're out, like these are very ambitious people. Like we always want to be like on the move and feeling productive. So that stillness piece is something that like, I just make it a point to incorporate every day because otherwise like I will just go, go, go. And I'll miss something. Like I'll miss something from here if I don't just pause and tune out to tune in. Yeah.
0: Great. And what are your top, Resources that you love to share with people, books, videos, programs? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, the number one program, and really the thing that changed my life in the last year, was something called Empath Leader Training, which was a three month small group program led by a woman that I met in a mastermind. Uh, Her name is Claudia Cauterucci. She's the creator of Dynamic Meditation, Wealth from Within, and now really emerging as a leading voice on empath leadership. There's a lot out there about empaths and there's a lot out there about empathetic leadership. And those are actually two different things from empath leaders. And her program is what like helped me to see like who I am in a totally different way. So for example, when my former CEO at SnapDocs used to say to me, Kaylee, I know whether or not this company is gonna have a good or bad day based on the energy of you walking through the door. And I never really knew what he meant. (laughs) And now like doing empath leader, just knowing like how powerful, like a resonance field I have. And many of us have like, and what it does and how it influences. Like it, it just, it opened up so much for me. And I sort of credit that program for like this journey of the last year that's shifting the vision for soul excellence. That's number one Uh, staple. Of course, like you can heal your life by Louise. Hay. I, go back to that all the time. And when I am reminded of the phrase, I approve of myself, it just makes life easier because so much of our self-talk can still be so negative, even when we're on this conscious path. And, you know, over the summer, like I, I was rereading it, re kind of reflecting, taking notes, you know, things hit you differently at every time, you know, especially when things are sort of timeless. And, um, Like I went to a yoga class right before teaching over the summer and I could never do crow pose for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I was like getting really in my head about it and had been for like two years, like just avoiding it in class. And that day I was just like, I approve of myself. I approve of myself. And like so easily lifted into crow where I was like, why did I think this was hard? You know, and it's because I'm like, because everything you said to yourself leading up and during that pose was basically that you can't do it you know? Um, so that's a go-to. And, um, I like insight timer as just a tool for, uh, for meditation and, uh, the abundance matrix podcast, uh, by one of my good friends, Amanda Flaker. It's very like super far out there, new earth stuff, but I see myself as a bridge builder to that world and kind of a translator from where people are today, sort of in the 3d. And so she like is a helpful guiding light. And I almost get to be a translator back to like, the rest of us who are still maybe over here, and you know we're going to get there eventually. Um, yes, yeah, so those are some of my favorite things that I pay attention to.
0: Fantastic, uh, great. Well, hey, I I really really appreciate this conversation, Kaylee. And thank you. I'm super inspired by soul excellence and the movement that you are not only representing, but also generating uh, that (laughs) comes through. And the fact that you are willing to be a leader for others who are on this shift from corporate to creativity, uh, I think is really something to admire as well. So uh, thank you so much for being here. It's been a really fun conversation and so glad you could join the Conscious Entrepreneur.
1: Thank you, Alex. And, I just believe that like by putting this work out there i mean that's how you and i connected so we have to just keep speaking the things we want to see more of in the world so we get to change our tribe and surround ourselves with people that inspire us and you're one of those to me so thank you so much
0: absolutely thank you i hope you enjoyed this episode of the conscious entrepreneur if you're ready to go deeper into working on yourself check out the upcoming events articles and resources on our website, which is consciousentrepreneur.us. I'd also really like to thank the team at Hivecast for producing this episode. If you run a podcast and are looking for an awesome full-service production company, make sure to check out Hivecast.